so glad to have you with us for part two of a series on prayer that's a little bit different than we've done. You know, in the past, we've taught on prayer and we've, we've tried to teach you how to pray. And um, so I'm taking a little different approach to it. I felt led a little different way today. Um, but we are glad to have all of you there at Mount Zion joining us as well as those of you that are here in the house. And I want to tell you what strategic season we are in in the calendar because believe it or not, I mean, and, and you get this probably, but, but people fluctuate and change according to the seasons of the year. So we're back in school. In fact, our school, um, Faith, uh, the Ascension Christian Schools, we will start back this week. Public school, I believe, started back last week. I was at LSU riding my bicycle yesterday and I saw the students moving into the dorms at LSU, so I'm assuming they're starting very soon. And what one thing this does is people begin to go back to school, it brings structure. Come on, say structure. Now here's what that means, bedtimes, homework. You know, we gotta get up early in the morning to catch the bus or to bring the kids to school. And oftentimes, when that structure comes back to people's lives, they began to feel the need because they want this year to be good. Don't you want this year to be great? I mean, you're probably starting the, the school year as a student thinking, okay, this year I'm gonna really study. You know, this year I'm gonna make good grades. And uh, you know, maybe as a mom or a dad, you're thinking, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a great parent. I'm gonna cook breakfast every morning, blueberry waffles or whatever, bacon, whatever it is you guys like to eat. And some of you are like, yeah, right. So. Um, and so you realize you're gonna need some help. And many times, people are open to spiritual things. Two times of the year, this time when school starts, and then again in January at the beginning of a new year. And guess what? Those are the times we pray. Um, it's all, it's, we, we plan all of this because we kind of understand how our culture works. And so last week, in part one, we asked you to uh, examine yourself. In fact, the, the verse we used as part of prayer, and I hope you've been maybe doing this this week, was from Psalms 139, verse 24. And it says, point out anything. God, point out anything in me that offends you. You know what? Is this, we're doing this thing called church and living for God and trying to be believers. We're gonna start with us. We believe everything begins. We have this, this spiritual principle that we look at ourselves first before we ever look at anybody else, before I ever say anything about my wife or my kids or about the church people or about the lost especially. I need to look at me. Amen? Amen. amen. I hope you said amen, Mount Zion. I couldn't hear it, but if you yell louder, I better hear it through the thing. So um, today, we're going to take a little different approach and, and we're not looking personally, but we're looking at ourselves as a church. What are we doing as a church? Because, um, because the truth is, if you've ever tried to invite anyone to church, this is what you find. They will say things like, well, you know, I love God. I just really don't, don't, don't care so much for the church. And so we must be doing something wrong sometimes as a church. And so we're going to look at ourselves now. We're going to look at ourselves last week. We look at our, our, our church vision today. I want to start in the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, chapter 4 and verse 19. As we look today at what it means to be a real disciple of Christ. And Jesus said this. Jesus was walking out on the side of the lake and he came across this group of fishermen. 
and he said this. He called out to them and he said, come and follow me and I'm gonna show you how to fish for people. So come follow me and I'm gonna show you how to fish for people. And I believe that right there is the purpose statement for every church. In other words, number one, we have gotta be willing to leave where we are and when I say where we are, I don't mean geographically, I mean we need to be willing to let go of what we believe about ourselves and others and God and the lost and, and be converted to Jesus. And then he says, I want you to follow me. That word follow, it means to, uh, it means to be a learner or to be a pupil or to promote the cause of a leader. And so he said, follow me. And he said, and I'm gonna show you how to fish for people. So the end result of all of this is people. This is what, this is what, this is where God's heart is at. It's in people. I've told you many times, I'll say it again, buildings don't go to heaven. Okay? Only people go to heaven. And so, um, you know, a lot of times when we say we're going to examine the church, we're not going to examine the building. We are going to examine us and our hearts. And do we have the same attitude toward the world that Jesus did? Um, if you would have known my dad when he was a younger man, he and my mother loved to fish. And my dad was the kind of guy, he did everything in a hurry. He was always in a hurry. And so if we were in a boat and this was a big uh, part of the marsh where they liked to fish, um, my dad would always fish with things like crankbaits, spinnerbaits, buzzbaits, things that you fish fast. My mother, on the other hand, she liked to fish slow. She'd fish with a worm. Incidentally, she caught more fish many times. She caught more, more fish because she could have fished a spot this big all day long. She just never got tired of throwing. Never got tired of throwing in the same spot and just fishing that worm all the way back. And she could just do it for hours and hours and hours. However, she was not the captain of the boat. My dad was the captain. My dad would get his rod and reel and he would make a cast over here, make a couple casts over here, make a cast or two over here. And if he didn't catch one, he determined there are no fish in this <laughs> lake. And he would yell, we're moving on and you better start reeling your stuff in. Because as soon as he said that, he usually just about had his bait in and he put his pole down, got the anchor up, started the engine, and it was time to roll. And I, can, I heard my mom so many times say, wait, honey, I'm hung. <laughs> and I mean, that's, he was always in a hurry. And so when, when and I always pictured, um, you know, you, you, you tip, whether it's right or not, you kind of project what your dad did kind of onto the, your picture of Jesus or God the Father. And, and I can just picture Jesus saying to the guys at the lake, hey guys, come, follow me, and I'm gonna make you fishers of men. And then I, this is what I believe he did. I believe he turned around and he took off. I don't think he looked back. I don't think he waited for them to ask him, you know, well, where are we going? Well, how long are we gonna be? 
do I need to bring, you know, do I need to bring some bathing suit? I mean, I, I don't think he waited for them to ask him questions. He said, come and do this, and, and, he, and then he just took off. And I want you to understand something, that, that Jesus is like that. He's looking for faith. Those that will recognize who he is, and they will follow him. What if, okay, what if God's got you at the job he's got you at, and it's more about the people than the paycheck? What if, what if the school that you're in, the class that you're in, the ball team, the dance team, the neighborhood you live in, what if it's more about the people than it is being a starter or the education or something else? Because when we look at the statements of Jesus, we see that he said, come follow me. And he, he said, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to make you. In other words, if you will follow me, you're gonna be my apprentice, you're gonna see me, I'm gonna be concerned with only one thing. And this one thing is we are fishing for people because God's after people. Let me ask you this, are you going somewhere? Do you feel like spiritually you're going somewhere? Because I know this about, when, when I read about Jesus in the Bible, they, they, people tried to get him to stay, stay here. Stay here, he never would. He's like, I've gotta go, I've gotta go, I've gotta reach people. I read in the scripture where it says the spirit of the Lord is, is going to and fro across the earth looking to find faith. And I know this, God's always going somewhere. I feel like we as a church, we have a destination. And here's what I wanna ask you, are you going somewhere spiritually? Do you sense that you're on a journey and that you are moving and you are following Jesus and it, it literally means that you're watching what he does and you're imitating what he does? You know how I learned to pastor? I would hang around with my dad. And my dad, my dad was a master at working a room. I mean, he would walk into a room and he would just greet people and he would talk to them and whether it was a funeral or if it was a wedding and I just figured that's what you're supposed to do. And I, I learned that by following means you do what he did. And that's how you learn. You just, you learn by following. And so he describes this a little bit later in the book of Matthew chapter 16. Jesus talks about this a little bit more because, you know, he says, this is the purpose of the church. He said, come on, follow me. He said, we're gonna fish for people. And then he goes into a little more detail and I believe he gives this clear, very clear, crystal clear vision of three things that we have to do to accomplish that. And this is found in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. By the way, that first verse is found in all four of the gospels. If you don't know this about the Bible, things you see repeated over and over are important. And because it's included in every gospel about the life of Jesus, we have to say this is something that's near and dear to God's heart. But in Matthew chapter 16, he says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if you wanna be my follower, now he tells us how to be followers here. He says, number one, you must give up your own way. You gotta give up your own way and then you have to take up your cross, and then you have to follow me. And I wanna break those down because, um, uh, because a, a lot of times, you know, God's been dealing with me and, and, and about this idea of cultural Christians versus biblical believers. Let me remind you what we learned last week. The Christians never call themselves Christians. 
That's what the world called them. They observed their life and, and, and they saw that they acted like Christ and they, the word Christian literally means a little Christ. And so I've decided I'm gonna stop calling myself a Christian. I'm gonna call myself a believer. That's biblically what the believers called each other. We are the believers at this person's house and the believers in this city. So we're, we want to be believers. We want to be, we want to be biblical believers and not just cultural Christians. Uh, and I think at the church here, we want to see ourselves as a group of increasingly growing biblical believers. Here's the first thing he said. You got to give up your own way. You got to give up your own way. You know, I don't know if there's anything worse in the world than having a backseat driver. Come on, can I get an amen? You ever, you ever had someone that wanted to help? Yeah, I've, I've had a few. You know, if you got kids, um, you know, they complain. They complain all the time about my drive. I always say this about my driving. Um, we two series on prayer. We'll gather at the church tonight. But if you really want to learn to pray, you need to ride with me in my car. Because you will pray. Prayer, prayer is it's not an option when you ride with me, as anyone who's ridden with me will, will tell you. But, um, you know, backseat drivers, and I think about God. Seven billion people on the earth. There's a bunch of those people that call themselves a Christian. Can you imagine the prayer request? God, you need to do this. The backseat driving by believers. Probably some of you today are like, God, you need to do something with my husband. Or you need to do something with my wife. Or you need to do something with my boss. Or you need to do something with our pastor. Or whatever it was. You know? And I just, I, I cannot even imagine. But here's the thing about cultural Christians. Cultural, which means they're a Christian, but only as it fits into the culture, which, which in itself is, not, is really a difficult thing to do. They apply their own definitions to what it means to follow God and believe the Bible. Well, I think this. Well, I think that. And I'll tell you, when you apply your own definitions to what it means, let me, let me say this about studying the Bible. It's very clear. There are numerous helps. You can find out exactly what the Bible is saying. And I'm not saying there's not some fuzzy areas that, 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 that I don't understand, but it's very easy to find out exactly what God's trying to say with you if you will honestly study the Bible. But it requires no faith to be a cultural Christian because you interpret everything through the lens of this is what I think. As opposed to a biblical believer that re it's all faith, and uh, the obedience is based not on what I think, but on what God said. Now, it's, it's a matter of obedience. God's already said, I don't, I don't get to have an opinion about it, but I just have to make a decision. Am I going to be obedient to the word of God, or am I not going to be obedient? I want to remind you, when Jesus was being tempted in the desert, you know, the devil came to him. He was fasting and he was praying. He was, about to, he was about to assume his public ministry. And the devil came to him and tempted him three times. And every time, this is, every time he would come, the first temptation was the devil said, well, he was hungry, the Bible said. And he said, well, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus didn't say, well, I don't think that would make good bread. That's not how he fought the devil. Well, devil, I don't think. I don't think that's the right thing to do. This is what he said. He said, it is written. 
He knew the word of God and it is written. And he was taking a stand and he said, I'm not going to be cultural. Well, you know what? He didn't say, you know what? God would be okay with that for me to kind of use my power, my position and turn rocks into bread because I'm hungry. He said, no, he said, it's written that man doesn't live by bread alone. In other words, bread's not what's keeping me alive. God's keeping me alive. And I'll tell you what, we have, to, we, we have to understand that our obligation is to be obedient to Christ and not to give commentary on Christ. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 in the ESV says this. There is a way. Come on, say a way. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways and then there's the way. Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. He didn't say, I am a way. There is a way that seems right to a man. You know what? I had a plan for my life, and it included God. And I thought it was awesome, because the Lord called me to preach at a very early age, like 12 years old. I knew I was supposed to be a pastor. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. I want to get an education, I want to go to work in the corporate world, make lots of money, buy lots of toys, and oh yeah, this was my way. I am going to give to the church. That was, there is a way. That was the way that seemed right to me. My focus was on making money, kind of having the things I thought I needed at the time, and then oh yeah, I'll include God in it. That's what it means to be a cultural Christian. That's what, that's what I want it to be, a cultural Christian. Oh, I'm going to go to church, man. You know why? Because that's what good people do. I want to go to church. That's what, that's what successful people do. They go to church. That just shows you got character and all that stuff. And you want to be a good person. We'll be able to think well of you. And a lot of that is nothing more than cultural Christianity. And, uh, but the Lord dealt with me, and I realized that I couldn't be, I had to either decide to be biblical, be a believer, or be a cultural Christian. There is a way that seems right to a man. He says, but the end is the way to death. I have no doubt in my mind, if I'd gone the cultural route, any marriage I might have gotten into, I doubt would have lasted. Because I made the decision to be a believer and got married, and that one had a significant amount of issues. Isn't that right, Vanessa? Like, y'all acting like Vanessa doesn't know about this. She knows very well about it. And so, the very first thing is you gotta be, you gotta be willing to give up your own way. Give up your own way. Well, don't we get any say-so? It's our life. No. And then he said the second thing, and I got a little visual for you today. The second thing he said, he said, you gotta... Take up your cross. Let me show you what that looks like. This is what it means to take up your cross. In the time when Jesus wrote this or said these things and it was recorded, um, the Romans had conquered the nation of Israel. And this is what they used as a form of execution. And the only thing they carried was the crossbar. They did not carry the vertical piece. Now, 
Jesus was prophetically speaking about his own cross, but I wanna teach this point like this. Does this look comfortable to you guys? It is not. And that's part of, that's part of the issue. He said, you and I, we have to, Mount Zion, you with me there? You have to take up your cross. Evidently, there's a cross for all of us. And the purpose of the cross is interesting. Um, the, the word literally means a stake or a pole. So, you know, I gotta turn the page here. It means God has something for you to carry that will not necessarily be convenient. In fact, this is hurting my arms. This is not convenient at all. This does not, this is not give, it's not a good look. I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. It's not a great look. And I want you to know something that your cross is not my cross. My cross is not your cross. Crosses don't come one size fits all. Nevertheless, Jesus did say to each of us, if you want to be a biblical believer, that you have to take up your cross. You see, cultural Christians, they live out of convenience. And this would be inconvenient. Oh, you know, like being on the dream team, that's inconvenient. Prayer on Sunday night, man, you don't understand. When calls the heart is on Hallmark that time. That's my show. That's inconvenient. You know how I know about that? Because Vanessa watches it. And I will only say, thank God we have more than one TV. But cultural Christians live their life based on what's convenient for me. Biblical believers live out their life based on convictions. You know what? God said that I have to take up my cross and there must be something out there that is probably going to be inconvenient to me but I'm going to pick it up and carry it because I'm going to be obedient to what the Lord said. Hebrews chapter five, verse eight says this. Even though Jesus was God's son, I want you to stop and just think about that. Jesus was God's son. What if your dad ran the whole universe? I'm thinking, think of the perks. He can make, we go fishing, he can make fish jump on my line, the biggest fish. You know, I can kill the biggest deer or, or whatever. You can find out how to make the most money. But, but that's, not, that's not exactly how Jesus approached it. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. He learned obedience because he was willing to take up his cross. And what God's concerned with out of us is our obedience, not our comfort or our convenience. And I just ask you, you know, because I, I, think, I think the cross for each one of us, and this is getting difficult to carry. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So you, you're saying, well, what is the cross, God? It's obviously, it's not a physical cross. It's not a piece of wood. I doubt very seriously if any of us will die that way. But what is the cross? It's, it's that that thing God's called us to that reminds us that we have to give up our own way 
and we have to follow Christ and make our life all about people. I'll say it again. What if the reason you're at your job is not about the paycheck, but it's about the people? Now, God knows you need a paycheck. What if the school you're at, it's really not about your friends or your popularity, but it's about the people that are there? And he's, he's, he's put you in a pond he wants you to fish in. See, we're coming to the season in, in, the, in the church life where we're about to have the most evangelistic season uh, or the series that we do. It's called At the Movies. And uh, typically, before you have guests in, you know, we had some guests at our house uh, a couple of Friday nights ago. And if you know my wife, she, Vanessa went into cleaning mode. Come on, who knows what, I'm ta- you know, what I mean when I say she goes into cleaning mode. In fact, I took off, I took off half a day of work so I could go home and make sure my grass was cut because we wanted to look nice for the people that are gonna come. She spent the time getting our house together and the food together, arranging for all of that so that we could be ready for our guest. Well, it's the same thing. I'm preaching this series of messages because we're gonna invite guests to the house. And so getting the church ready is not getting the building ready or the parking lot, we'll do some of that, but it's all about getting us ready. See, if we don't have, if they walk in and we don't have the right kind of attitude toward believers, then how in the world will people be one to Christ? So he said, you gotta give up your own way. In other words, I'll read it in a second, but, but you know, you have to give up You have to give up your own way of what you think life should look like and then pick up your cross. And your cross is whatever God's given you to do that helps reach people. That's why I love the people on the dream team because most of the musicians you saw up here today and the singers and the people working technology and the ones that are watching our kids and the people that prepared coffee and donuts for you and, and provide security and, and hosted you and all those things, they do it not because um, they have to, but they do it to make coming to the household of faith an experience that resembles what Jesus talked about. Have you taken up your cross? In fact, Jesus would go on further and he would would dig a little bit deeper into this thing. In fact, I I, I thought of this example. What What would you think if you heard that Jesus gave the same excuse that some of us give for not taking up our cross? Like, can you imagine, uh, you know, God the Father saying, Jesus, I want you to, you know, take up your cross for the salvation of mankind. And what if he said, well, you know, this is really a busy season of my life. And I I got a lot going on. You know, got a lot going on right now. And so it's really just kind of an inconvenient time. What What if Jesus said, oh, you know what? Just right now, I don't really have time to die. I'm only 33 years old. I got my eye on this girl over in Nazareth and, and maybe we're, we're, we're gonna talk. You know, we've been talking on, on, on Plenty of Fish or eHarmony or, or whatever and I don't know where this thing's gonna go. This may not be a great time, God. Can you imagine if Jesus would have given 
some of the same excuses that we give. I always say this, I hope the rapture doesn't happen on a rainy day. Some of you are gonna miss it because you don't like to get out in the rain. It's too much work. Or maybe we say, I don't know enough. He said, come. He said, he said give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. He never said that you had to know a bunch of stuff. Never said in there you gotta have a Bible school degree. Sometimes people say, well, I don't have my life together. Well, let me tell you this. Nobody's got their life together. In fact, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that God holds everything together. If my life looks like it's together, it's because God's holding me together. Not because I'm holding it together. So then Jesus, he he digs a little bit deeper on this thing and he goes in Matthew chapter 10, verse 38 and 39 and he says this, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me because the fact remains, it's your choice. It's not his choice, it's not my choice. It's not your spouse's choice. It's not your parents' choice. It's your choice. That's the cool thing about about this, this idea of being a believer. We all have to make our own choice. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, he says, you're not worthy of being mine. Wow, that's, that's a heavy statement. If I look at the cross and say, let me see what this thing is like. Mm, let me try it on and, uh, yeah, nah, nah, I don't think so. Nah, I'm not into that. Because we all have the ability to make that choice. He says, you're not worthy of being mine. That the turn of that phrase means then you're not appropriate. You, you don't fit in with my people. I don't know about you, but man, I wanna, I wanna fit in. Remember, remember what we said. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end. See, it's all about in the end. The, at the end of the way, I wanna fit in with God's people in heaven. Because I'm only going to be on this, I'm only going to be on this third rock from the sun for the next 20, 30 years if everything goes well and I don't make a huge mistake driving. But eternity's forever. I want to read the last part of that. He said, if you cling to your life, you're gonna lose it. In other words, if you try to hold on to your way, if you try to hold on to your life, if you try to determine what it's gonna be like, he said, if you cling to your life, he said, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life and you do it for him and take up your cross, he says, you're gonna find it. I love the message translation of this. This is Matthew 10, 39 in the message translation. And he says it this way. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. And I think that's why so many people, they they seem to be unhappy. There's, There's so much discontent. There's so much anger in the world is people haven't found themselves. Why? He says, because if, if that's your first concern, why, you know, I, I won't, I could, get, I could get political and controversial and everything else, but I'm choosing not to. 
If your first concern is to look after yourself, what do I think? Do I like it or not? Do I think it's a good idea? If that's your first concern, he says, you're never gonna find your life. You're never gonna find the sweet spot in life. But if you forget about yourself, no one's telling you this message today. No one's preaching this message today. But if you forget about yourself, and when I say no one, I mean the world. I mean, there are churches, there are other churches. I'm not, we're not the only, we're not the only biblical church. There are a bunch of good biblical churches. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, he says, you'll find both yourself and God. And I'll tell you what, I have found that to be true. The devil always lies to you and tells you, if you, really, if you really sell out to the Lord and do the will of God, that's what the devil told me, you're never gonna have any fun in your life. And I believed him for, for years and years and years. Then in 1985, um, I wasn't living for the Lord and I wasn't having any fun. And I said, Lord, I, I, I give it all, I give you my life. And I'll tell you what, immediately things began to change and, and I began to go on this journey. And God used people in my life and, and I look back since 1985 and I, and I can just say, look what the Lord has done. I've seen God move and I have seen God touch people's lives and I have had a ton of fun. I've made some great friends and I believe that the best of my life is still to come. I believe my best days are ahead of me. And I believe your best days are, are ahead of you as well. If you, if you give up your own way and take up your cross, what is your cross? Your cross is that thing that God's called you to do that makes a difference in other people. In fact, I think it's that mindset. It's to stop living for you and start living, noticing, and thinking about, and praying for other people. In fact, we gave you a prayer card as you came into the building today at both locations. And you know what? If there's something you need prayer for, a person you want to pray for, put them on the prayer card. Drop it in the bucket. We're praying for them tonight. Then the last thing he said, and he said, follow me. Give up, give up your way, take up your cross, and follow me. And this is what I love about the Lord. He laid it all out. Have you ever, have you ever uh, watched one of these uh, ads on TV? And at the end of the commercial, they have all this fine print they say real fast. This is what it sounds like. And so, you know, buy the new whatever. And you're like, what'd they say? You know, and that's where they have all the terms and it's, you know, this much interest for this many. It's all the fine print. And, and, and that's how the world does. Hey, man, join our thing, do our thing, buy our product. Jesus didn't do that. He said, this is it. I'm giving, I'm giving all the fine print. You got to give up your life. You got to take up your cross and you follow me. And he said, you know what? You're going to find the best life that you ever found because if you'll do it, he said, not only will you find you, you will find me and you will have true life 
that God intended for you to have. I want you to bow your head. Bow your head there at the campus there at Mount Zion. Can I get you all across the room? Just, just, just kind of just begin to reflect on your own life. Let me ask you this. Is, would, would cultural Christianity, would that maybe define where you've been or biblical believing? Let me say it this way. Have you given up your own way? Some of you out there, you're struggling. In fact, the reason you came to church today is you've been doing it your own way and you are unfulfilled. You haven't, it it hadn't paid off like it promised. Sin never pays off like it promises. Jesus says, follow me. Give up your own way. Do it my way. Take up your cross and walk through life with me and you're gonna find a life you never knew was possible. If that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you and the Lord's talking to you today and you say, Scott, that's what I need to do. I need to be a follower of Jesus. I'm not not asking you, did you grow up Methodist, Catholic, Baptist? I'm not asking you if you got got confirmed or if you got baptized at birth. I'm not asking you if you went through a class. I'm not asking you if you got some kind of certificate. Here's what I'm asking you. Are you a follower of Jesus? And if you're not and you want to be, just lift your hand and say, Scott, pray for me today. I need to follow the Lord. Just say, that's a step of faith. Just raise your hand and say, Scott, follow me. Uh, Pray for me. Yes, sir. I want to follow Jesus and find life, and I want to find God in the process. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You can put your hands down. Come on, pray with me. All across both campuses, all across the room, I want you to pray this with me out loud. Say, Jesus, I believe You are the way, the truth, and the life. And today, I invite you into my heart. Help me be a follower all the days of my life. Amen, amen. You guys have a great week. We love you.